Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Hello, folks. It's Pass the Post for Sunday, February 20. It was a fantastic day of racing yesterday right around Australia, principally, of course, at Flemington with the Lightning and, of course, the Silver Slipper in Hobartville at uh, Rose Hill Gardens and good racing too at the Sunshine Coast and Morfordville. This is going to be the case every Saturday, Saturday after Saturday, right through to the end of autumn. And then we go into winter. Ben Dorries will be with me every step of the way. Good morning. Good morning, David. Gee whiz, you know what I thought yesterday? There's nothing quite like the theatre of straight track racing. Mm. That Group 1, uh, you know, I reckon it... Uh, you know, the, the traditional style of racing can become a little bit predictable. They land in their spots and you sort of know where a lot of these horses are going to be in the run and, uh, you know, they can steady up and what have you. But these explosive Group 1 sprints down the straight, you just never quite know what you're going to get. And we saw that yesterday. I thought it was just a magnificent spectacle. It was sustained speed from start to finish. There was so much to pack into this race to discuss about this race, but ultimately it went down to the wire with home affairs gripping on beating Nature Strip by a short half head, but what a race it was. And as you said, uh, great races deserve great finishes, and this race didn't disappoint anyone, at least from a spectacle point of view. I suppose if you're on Nature Strip, you would have been a bit dirty, but we'll talk about that. But firstly, let's go to the broadcast of the race. And speaking of Nature Strip, he was the favourite and a very well-backed favourite at $2.20. 400 metres to go, it's Home Affairs, the three-year-old, led by a length, Eduardo and Nature Strip, and then Profiteer, next in the field, swats that mask, Crusader, at the 200 metres, Home Affairs lets down, Nature Strip coming out after him, followed by Eduardo, Nature Strip chasing Home Affairs, Home Affairs digs in for the fight, and Nick, Nature Strip thrusting, Home Affairs, Nature Strip lunches, photo finish, Home Affairs, I think, has just won from Nature Strip. The three-year-old stands up in a sea of stars. Eduardo swats that in a photo for third, followed by Profiteer, the astrologist, back behind the Mars Crusader, Guitra, and the Inferno. It was a gutsy call and a correct call by Matt Hill with Home Affairs getting the judges nod, as we said, by a short half-fed. An outstanding race. And Rob Archibald, the, the racing manager for Coolmore Australia, has been kind enough to join us on Pass the Post. He's our first guest this morning. Rob, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Very well. For a prestigious organisation like Coolmore, this is what this is what it's all about on the racetrack. A cult uh, winning a Group 1 under exciting circumstances. The first question I put to you, did you think you'd won when they hit the line? Well, no. The, the honest answer is we didn't know, and you know, with the, it was obviously a photo finish, and um, so we were all just waiting to see the result come up on the screen. Um, but you know, you're obviously hopeful in those scenarios, and luckily we got we got the right end of it this time. Um, yeah, no, so it's incredible. It was a, a really amazing day, um, hugely important for the farm, as you said, and it's really what you you know when we put. When, when the Magna family and, and Chris put the group together, it was what you're trying to set out to achieve. So actually to achieve it was, or, or go some way to achieving it's been pretty amazing. Rob, did you go into the race confident or hopeful? Like what, what were your emotions going into it? Obviously, you know, you've got a star cult um, last year in the Everest, Nature Strip, uh, obviously one, I think you're about five lengths behind, facing Nature Strip again. Were you sort of, you know, did you know your guy had uh, improved I'll, I'll, or...? I wouldn't say we were. We, I wouldn't say we were confident. I mean, I just I'd say more hopeful. Um, but we knew we knew he'd come back well based on his two trials. And obviously, James knows the horse really well. 
and he was very happy with the way he was going. Um, and 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 obviously having him on the horse was a huge boost as well because he he um, you know he obviously clicks with him. So we knew we knew um, we knew he'd run well. We were we, did we expect him to win? Probably not. Um, but he um, he seems to just really um, he just just thrives on race day. You know he um, he just knows when to turn it on. And James said he can't he can't believe the difference between how much he wakes up on race day to what he puts through in the trials. And um, he just said he was just from the minute he jumped out of the gates, he said he knew he, he was he was on song. Rob, this race was discussed right through the week. It was the race of the the, the day uh, anywhere around Australia, uh, probably Australasia. It was a race considered high strategy, high tactics. This was going to happen, this was going to happen. It was like a chess game or a war game. But in the end, it was a strategic race, but not the way most thought. You were the one being pursued. Nature Strip was the, the aggressor. He was the attacker. And Eduardo, everyone thinks of him as the attack dog, but... He sort of sat back and had the passive role. So for your horse, considering you know, first up as well, those fighting qualities, that, uh, that was an outstanding feature of that win yesterday. Yeah, it, it was. It was. And, you know, he, he as you said, it, it didn't go to plan. I think we all thought Nature Strip would lead and we'd try and settle somewhere in behind him. Um, and obviously there was that little bit of interference at the start. And then he had to, he had to take it up and he did. And he travelled really strongly. And when Nature Strip came to him, he showed a lot of, determination to hang in there and um you know not many horses I, was, I think you'd agree would be able to stick stick there like stick tough like that over the last hundred and he and he managed to do it first up which was pretty amazing and um i think we always knew he was special but to see a result like that and look you you want to you want to win those races when um when when there's no no excuses with any other horses but um you got to take it when they come like that yesterday, and yeah, just so happy for for everyone involved and the owners and Chris and James um, that we managed to pull it off yesterday. And we all love as, as uh, Australian racing fans and followers, obviously Australian horses flying the flag on the international stage, and, and hopefully, uh, uh, you know, coming up with the goods. A royal trip to Royal Ascot is that in in the offing for, for this cold, or what is the the sort of the planning now? I suppose for his future, I guess. I think so. So initially, the plan was to go to the Lightning into the new market. Um, obviously, now he's won, he'll probably get some sort of penalty. Chris will wait and see what that looks like. Um, but I'd say that's likely going to be his, his second start. And then whether he has a third one or not, I don't know. Um, but if he came through his next run well, wherever that may be, and I think it's certainly a trip to Royal Ascot would be on the cards. Um, I think a lot of the, his owners are over there, and we'd love to to take him over so they could see him see him race. And also, I think. Um, we've sh- he's shown us how effective he is down the straight, and obviously six furlongs down the straight at Royal Ascot prob- looks like it would be to to his um, to suit him, you know. So I think all going well, and as long as he's happy and healthy, and um, that's certainly on the cards. This is his third racing campaign. He's come a hell of a long way in a short time. When you consider uh, he he was you know starting double figures as a two-year-old, we saw him win that race, the Heritage. He went to the Everest. He went to the Everest second up. That's a, that's that's really at the deep end. Was it all a bit too much for him? And just from a from a physical point of view, from a, a mental point of view, has this horse come along, you know, in the last four months very significantly to your, to your way of thinking? Oh, I think absolutely. He, he was a, he was always a lot of raw ability early on, and in those early races, he just had that he had the inclination to slightly overdo it. And I think Chris and James have done a pretty good job. Uh, they've done an amazing job to just harness that and just teach him to settle 
and he's just a lot more relaxed in himself. And even yesterday, just going round the parade ring, he just wastes no energy. You know, a lot of those thousand metre sprinters there sort of get very up on their toes, and he just just walks around very calm, very loose. And then, just as he's going down to the start, he, he starts to get excited and he gets himself ready. But then going back to the Everest, I think it just obviously just the way the race was run, um, it. It obviously didn't suit him. But, yeah, he probably wasn't quite ready for that sort of test there, second up against those horses. Um, and he, he was asked to, to to go forward that day, and I don't think he's got a lot of natural speed. And, you know, he, he was brave, but um, just not ready really for that. And um, I think now sort of James on him, who knows him so well, knows how to get the best out of him. I think there's a good formula there, um, and he's executing his race as well. Well, we end where we started, as I said, from Kilmore's point of view. This is this is the the, the excitement plus to have a, a cult like this now, uh, a, a dual group on winner, winning the Kilmore up the straight and then the Lightning yesterday. Thanks for joining us this morning and continued good success with this exciting horse. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Rob Archibald, the racing manager of Kilmore Australia. Yeah, a lot to talk about this race, and this is when I say a new kid on the block. He certainly has, has shown that. I mean. He won the group one against his own age group during the spring, but to beat Nature Strip, and we'll we'll discuss Nature Strip, but to win this race, to, which is was considered and rightfully so, uh, a plus quality, uh, it's an outstanding effort. Well, absolutely, and numbers get thrown around a lot in racing, don't they? Big dollar signs and whatever. But wow, how much would this colt be mm. worth now? I mean, thirty, forty million dollars, something in that range. I'd I'd assume. I mean, they they tend to, uh, I suppose, when you ask people how much horses are, are worth after big races like this, they probably inflate them a little bit, but certainly a very, very, very uh, valuable colt. I must admit, I got this race completely wrong. I thought Home That's Affairs... That's unusual for you getting yeah, this race wrong. Well, I thought Home Affairs... I thought Home Affairs was a nice colt, but a three-year-old, you know, stepping up to take on the big guns here, I thought he'd be found wanting, but uh, I was completely wrong. Of course, we must talk about Nature Strip, though, Um should have won Nature Strip, surely. I mean, if he if he jumps, if he's not you know if he's not hampered at the start, mm. uh, that was an incredible effort. And I think arguably Nature Strip won just as many fans in defeat yesterday as he had has with some of his some of his wins. I mean, some of his wins he's he's sort of beaten up on some so-so horses at times. I mean, these were the A graders. Uh, everything went wrong for him, and he still almost pulled it off. So he's an absolute superstar, Nature Strip. And just going back to your opening remarks, and it bears repeating. This race became a two-horse race as soon as uh, Jamie Carr got herself out of that that awful bother and said, right, I've only got one option. I've got to go up there and just sit there and then grind away. And they had it to themselves a long way out. This was enthralling uh, theatre. Even if you didn't have a bet, you were you were glued to the to the screen watching this race. And to be frank, when they hit the line, I wasn't quite sure. Matt, you know, <laughs> that's why he's the best. He got it right. It was a, a short enough head decision. But, of course, at the start, Nature Strip gets the sandwich. Profiteer, uh, Ed Wade on the other side, but Profiteer, he was like a... Um, he was a drunken sailor, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he just, you know, they actually... Like I thought Preble might get a little bit of bother because when you watch the head-on, this horse just comes across, virtually takes control of Preble. He was just so hyped up and, 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 and over-raced and... His racing manners did ultimately cause uh, a lot of havoc, but, but Preble was warned to try and you know keep his horse as steady as he could. But uh, it was just not out of control, but not far from it. Yeah, it was interesting. I read the stewards' report this morning. Actually, the stewards 
uh, had a good chat to Brett Perrell, but couldn't really be satisfied that it was he was culpable. They they basically put um, put that down purely to profiteer, just being all over the place. The real disappointment I've got to say in the race was Guitra. I think probably uh, retirement maybe could mm. beckon for the for the Group One of one winner from Adelaide. I watched the post race interview of, uh, well, actually one of the owners sent me the post race of. Mark Zara's uh, sort of debrief when he got off the horse, he was very, very disappointed. I don't think anything has been significantly found wrong with the horse, although I'm sure he'll be at it again today and they'll go over um, him with a fine tooth comb, but beaten a long, long way. That was very uncustomary. So either there is something wrong that they haven't found yet or maybe he's just had enough of racing and he's had a few war wounds along the way, uh, but he's had a magnificent career. If that's the last we see of him, you'd love to have owned a horse like Keitra. Eduardo, he's an eight-year-old, but he showed again there yesterday that he's going to be a player right through the year, whether he's, uh, you know, um, winning, but he won't be far away. He held his ground well, and Swats that was um, flew right under the radar with a very good first up fourth. He had great form, uh, or she had great form during the spring. And Mars Crusader, uh, you know, 1,000 metres, not his, not his cup of tea, four lengths away. I think connections would have been not over the moon with the run, but would have been uh, more than satisfied with the run. Yeah, I thought Mask Crusader was slightly disappointing, I've got to say, given especially we, we had Rupert Lee on the show uh, either last week or the week before and really, I guess, talking up his prospects over a 1,000 metres and the Hawks thought he was absolutely flying and, and ready to really nail this race, even though he was always going to be back and, and running on. So I, I expected a little more from him. I thought Eduardo was good. He, I mean, he got a good four-track. Let's bear in mind that Eduardo's better on rain-affected surfaces. So, yeah. I mean, if that had been, you know, a soft track yesterday or, or, or worse, I mean, he would have got a lot closer than he did, arguably. This race, in some respects, and not taking anything away from the, the race, it is in a world of its own. It's 1,000 metres up the straight. Uh, when they're running, well, they were running sub-11 all of the way except for the last furlong, it is difficult to make ground. So I'm not as I'm not as harsh with Mars Crusader. I thought his run was was more than satisfactory. But, as we said, it was a wonderful spectacle. Uh, the market frame has reacted pretty savagely to Home Affairs from a new market point of view. I think he's now into $2.80, $2.80. And, of course, he, he trimmed up in all the other upcoming features, the Galaxy, 6 down to 5, TJ Smith, 11 down to 6. But uh, whatever way you look at it, They've got a hell of an exciting time ahead of them with Home Affairs, haven't they? Whatever they do. Yeah, and you know the good thing too, David, is we've been saying for a while a lot of these good sprinters uh, have been obviously ageing, getting a bit older, you know, a bit long in the tooth. Uh, we've obviously lost a, quite a few in recent years, you know, Red Zells and, and, and that sort of ilk. So uh, it's just good seeing a, a young, um, exciting sprinter coming through the ranks and i tell you what, there'll be a lot of, um, you know, Australians staying up to watch that colt if he races at Royal Ascot and potentially, obviously, Nature Strip uh, might head that way too. So, um, yeah, uh, terrific race. Great spectacle, as I said to start with. Love straight track racing at the top level. I might be like the Eduardo of the race coolers. Old, but still <laughs> holding his own. <laughs> Not uh, getting any better, well, but not getting any worse. Well, I must admit, what about before when you give Matt, Matt Hill a rap? It's unlike you to give anyone a No, no, rap. no, no. He's, he's, a, he's a good mate, and he's, he's the best by, I think, a fair margin. And as I said, uh, gutsy call, correct call. It's a gutsy call, and, and Fleming is not the easiest place where he broadcasts from to, to get those photos right. But it's a group one, and it was only a short half head. 
It's uh, it's guts personified. No, he's all right. Oh, I'm Eduardo. <laughs> I'm Eduardo. <laughs> I reckon I'm sorts that forever running on, <laughs> and I'm an eye catcher, but just never quite get into the money. In the race calling department, you didn't appear there. That's <laughs> that's not your gravy. Okay, let's. Where are we going now? We're going to uh, a very impressive three-year-old called Pinstripe. Hit the line savagely in the CS Hayes. Here's the replay. And it's Pachero by a length to in second place, Sathus. Corona Lad easing out three wide in the yellow jacket. Mananui behind them from Umgawa. Further back is Pinstripe, five off the lead and inching a little bit closer. Captive onto the outside with a bit to do. Then Lena's Legend, Allegron well back. Pachero kicks away. 300 metres to go. Put up three lengths, Sathus. Corona Lad, Pinstripe. Further back, Captive on and then Lena's Legend. Pachero, 150 metres to go. Starting to wobble now. Two legs in front of Pinstripe wearing it down, Pashero falling in a hole and Pinstripe's got it, Pinstripe wins over the top one at three quarters, Pashero captive on, then forgot you and I catch a four, behind them Zathus, Corona, Ladum, Gaura, Allegron, Rhinoceros, Lena's legend and Mana Nui last You're always telling me how much you enjoyed your journalism when you were working in Melbourne, so the pronunciation of this trainer's name which I had which oh, I, had, I had right this morning but I, it's, it's gone out of my head Enver Jusevic say it again no, I'm not going to say it again I got it right the first time weren't you listening okay, oh, no, the, now the coordinator wants to come on put your mic on Enver Jusevic very good <laughs> that's what I said exactly well I tell you what, what however you pronounce his name he's got a nice voice here <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, it was interesting, just following his journey a bit, Amber, I think he's lost quite a few horses in recent years for one reason or another. Um, trains out of Cranbourne and, and, you know, a few owners have decided to go in a different direction. Obviously, he's not a, a you know, a big, big name in the training ranks, I guess. Um, so that was, this was a nice little uh, fill me up for him. Now, I wanted to discuss something, David. Mm. It's a bit controversial here. I, I might actually, someone might be listening and I may, may never be invited back. Am I allowed to... Am I allowed to do what you this? like? If you get into trouble, I'll just laugh. <laughs> yeah, someone, else, your back, of course. someone else will be in my seat next week. Now, <laughs> this was interesting to me. Lightsaber was scratched mm. at the gates, right? So lightsaber in the market. Now, uh, what do you think would have started as the sub uh, in the in the quaddy and the you know the? Well, I'm not certain because it was a wide betting race. Yeah. Okay. So forgot you, mm. believe it or not, started at nine dollars. Starting price of nine dollars. Started as the sub in, on the on the local tab, the Victorian tab, which is of course taken by all the corporate bookmakers as well. So the people who had lightsaber in their exotics, in their you know quaddies and whatever, ended up with forgot you as a sub, despite it starting at nine dollars starting price. And that was because it was obviously back backed on the tote. It was four dollars eighty. It was a marginal favourite on the tote. Now that to me is patently ridiculous. Mm. How a horse can start nine dollars and you end up with it as the sub? That makes sense. How old are you? Uh, why? Tell the truth. Just, I want to explain something to you. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with you. How old are you? I'm 45. 45. I'm 58. Mm. The day I go to my grave, they'll be still be arguing about two points <laughs> in Australian racing and, and uh, about this off-course sub, which has been there since Adam was born, and also will we get a national tote or not. I mean, honestly, but, 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 but you're 110% right uh, about the off-course sub. It, it's just been, It's been there. It's just... But have you ever seen a horse, the start, starting price, $9, start as a sub? I, I've never seen no, that. No, I haven't, but, I, but I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure there's been anomalies. It's because, they, as you say, they go off the, the paramutual and not the, the fixed odds. But uh, 
It's an age-old argument, and it's not going away. So is someone listening high up that is going to sort of spear me for next week now I've said that? or what? Well, possibly. You said it. <laughs> Hang on, you back me up. We could both be gone. Now, what I said before was 100% correct as well about Matt Hill's calling. We've got uh, from Zero Foot Online Putter, how good was Matt's calling yesterday? He had a pearl of a day. That's from M. Hill at Altona. Thank you, M. Hill at Altona, for your, <laughs> your, your, your contribution this morning. Now, uh, very good. Pinstripe, good. Three from three. Looks an ideal uh, target, the Australian Guineas. And speaking of that, he's $8 down to six. Now, that was the Colts and Geldings three year old feature. Let's go to the Vanity for the Phillies. They actually run slightly faster time. And this is a great first up win by Barb Raider. 400 metres to go. Ancient Girl, three-quarters socialist, getting a bit closer. Then Manoush presenting three wide. Barb Raider, four deep in the Lime Jackets, running on. And then came Throntari. Ancient Girl at the 250, shown the whip, led by three-quarters of a length. Trying hard socialist with Barb Raider. Cardigan Queen late. Barb Raider up to Ancient Girl and lifting in the middle as well as socialist. But Barb Raider goes home better and Barb Raider. Barb Raider won from Cardigan Queen. Photo third on the inside ancient girl or socialist followed by Manoush Rio Yuki and Throntari they were followed by genuinely Tiara Jewel finished a long way back as well Barb Raider was first up and a bit similar to the the other stable not a not a big stable Jerome Hunter stable I think he was actually uh, quoted or mentioned post-race this is the best horse he's had and she was very good first up yeah, absolutely terrific um, run carried a fair bit of punters uh, money but it was interesting just post-race uh, the trainer saying that he's just not sure about the Australian Guineas. I think, um, you know, Barbara is into about twenty-one dollars or twenty-six dollars. He just he's not quite sure whether he wants to to raise the bar that high. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Gee whiz, David, I was taken by the uh, the run of the runner-up Cardigan Queen. Mm. Uh, I thought that was a terrific run. I think she potentially might go to Sydney now and have some big fish to fry down there. So I reckon she'd be one worth following. Yeah, and speaking of bigger fish to fry, I reckon Barb Raider falls into the same category. Just reading between the lines of what Jerome Hunter was saying, I think he's looking more towards Sydney than, than Melbourne in terms of where her preparation heads this campaign. Of course, she's a daughter of Rebel Raider, and um, she raced well in the spring. Of course, she got to the wakeful and finished midfield there, but that was a, a more than encouraging return. And as you outlined too, 67 down to 26, so still a double figures for the Guineas. But they were the two three-year-old features yesterday. Before we move off Flemington, wanted to mention Corner Pocket. Uh, Bill Andrews, of course, well-known Queensland owner, races in Bill's colours. So this horse uh, stretched out in terms of uh, winning sequences is concerned. I think he was beaten at his first two starts and he's now won his past eight. Eight from ten, if you don't mind. And Lindsay Smith produced him there uh, first up yesterday in the, the Listed Elms race. It was a very good performance. Bates Road uh, had a good run, squeezed through late and got the money. I'd like to have a horse that won eight out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so would I. I'd like to have a horse that won any race. But look, uh, thought Elephant was a nice little pipe opener for uh, for an All Star Mile. Potentially, don't necessarily think Elephant can win an All Star Mile, but um, you know it was hard enough in the market at six dollars. But I thought it was encouraging uh, for Emma Lee and David Brown, who originally moved or are moving to uh, Victoria to train the, the Kiwis, coming here on a full time basis. Mick Price and Mick Ken Jr. won the Talent with I'm Loving You. It was a very good on debut, and then. Uh, finished strongly to win yesterday. They'll decide in the next 24 hours whether they go to the Blue Diamond or not, of course, already represented by Jack and O. Of course, uh, racing, racing past the post is brought to you by Archer Park Racing. 
Their website is archerparkracing.com.au. Spirit of Booms, honestly, they win everywhere. And Archer Park uh, would like to let you know that there are two Spirit of Boom cults, quality cults, that there's uh, uh, shares available in. One's by or out of Defiant Dame. It was purchased at the Magic Millions by Stewie Kendrick. He's flying. He won four races at the Sunshine Coast on Friday night. And Tony Gollan, who, of course, was active at the Inglis sale only recently, he's bought a Spirit of Doom flash-in-the-dark cult. They're both on the website. Have a look at them. Spirit of Boom Defiant Dame, Spirit of Boom Flash-in-the-dark, and uh, you can contact Chris West at archerparkracing.com.au. Let's move to Rosehill Gardens and we'll go to the, the race that everyone was watching up in Sydney town. It was Animo who was second up. He was an odds-on favourite to win the Group 2 Herbertville Stakes. Silent Impact, 375, leads by a length to Ranch Hand, Subterranean, Animo getting into his work, three lengths away to Converge, Ranch Hand roped in, Silent Impact, but Animo roped in the pair, and Animo moved up on the outside of Ranch Hand, Halal's closing off on the inside really well, Animo in front, Danger, Halal's trying to beat him, Halal goes to Animo, Animo kicks, brave win! Animo fended off Halal in a stirring finish to the Hobartville. Third between Converge and Ranch Hand. Then came Kiss Some Late, followed by Silent Impact Flying Crazy. Morris's me dad. Further back in the race to Subterranean and Raging Bull. Animo justifying his odds-on favouritism. He went off at $1.70 to win the Group 2. Of course, he's got a wonderful, wonderful record, this horse. Animo, Vin Cox from Godolphin joins us as our next guest. Vin, good morning. Morning, David. How are you going? I'm well. Someone was telling me yesterday, or pointing out to me after Animo won, I think except for the size produce, this is a horse who wins big races but doesn't win by big margins. No, that, that's a fair comment. I mean, he absolutely bolted in the size produce back there in April. Uh, but, but no, he tends to just get in by, by a little bit. Um, uh, and yesterday was was another example of it. Or you know, I, I, we rode him up a little closer, or Tommy had him a bit closer than than normal. Um, and he even conceded himself that he probably got in the front a little early. Um, and when Halal ca- came at him, he uh, Tommy was uh, confirmed that with the horse coming at him that he was still he was he was never going to get past him because he really dug deep again. So yeah, he's a horse that, that, that just. Does enough, but uh, but he's done enough in in some pretty significant races. So he's a, he's a cult we're obviously very proud of. There's obviously a fair bit more to come, Vin, and I was really interested in James's comments post race when he said Animo was still a fair bit above himself in the yard, which makes me think he's going to improve a you know a fair degree even further going forward into some of these big Group One targets. Yeah, we had, uh, James and I had a long chat last night after the after the race, and uh, he said, that, and you know, if you go through his campaign last time, it wasn't until he got to his third start that he really, you know, really got to him, and and that was in the in the Caulfield Guineas, and and he won that very very well in the fastest Caulfield Guineas ever, and then went on to the infamous Cox Plate, where where you know, arguably he was unluckily beaten. Um, so this time, third time up, he's going to be into the mile again in the Randwick Guineas, and um, he should be screwed down and ready to roll. And the ultimate goal is the Queen Elizabeth? Well, yeah, so we're still sort of a little bit up in the air, David. We're, we're, the, the ultimate goal was to get to the Randwick Guineas mm. and then and then decide which, which way, whether we zigged or whether we zagged, and that included sort of a three-year-old campaign or potentially um, a white race campaign into the into the Queen Elizabeth. But more and more, it's looking uh, much like the, the Queen Elizabeth will be our target. 
And uh, sorry to remind you of this again, Vin, but going, going back to the Cox Plate, well, not going back, but I suppose looking forward, he's $11 second favourite for, for a Cox Plate this year. Uh, obviously, people remember that, that famous protest last year. Is that uh, you know likely to be a destination for him later this year or, or not necessarily? Uh, we, we, we feel we've got some unfinished business there. <laughs> so, um, look, it, it, the horse will tell us whether he's, uh, you know, we, you know we, we see him as a Cox Plate horse, yes. So, um, assuming that he's still right and ready to, to be racing, we'd love to have another crack at the Cox Plate. Ben, we were talking to, to Rob Archibald from Coolmore, Coolmore before and saying that, you know, with home affairs yesterday, a cold winning a Group 1, this is what it's all about for the, these operations. And I suppose it's a similar story with Godolphin, with a horse like Animo. You know you've got a, a, a Group 1 cult in your, in your care, uh, under your watch, and this is, these are the sort of races and these are the sort of horses that really make it for you, don't they? Oh, they do. And the thing with colts is that you don't have them a long time. You know, it's, they're, they're, they're rare propositions that they can race on into, you know, as old, race on as older horses. And, um, and to sort of keep them mentally sound and keep them sound on the racetrack is, is half the battle and, and uh, you know, and, and, and keep them winning. And so you're trying to protect their value, but also increase their their profile at the same time. So it's it's a it's a delicate balance, uh, and we 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 like to, as evidence in the past, we we, we do tend to to race them on and race them as four-year-olds. Um, and we'd love to have this bloke going around as a four-year-old as well. But if, you know, if all of a sudden, for whatever reason, he doesn't look like he wants to enjoy the racetrack, then, then it's off to the breeding barn where, you know, they are you know, highly valuable commodities and uh, in, you know, good breeders seek their attention a lot. So, and, you know, they become um, you know, great profit centres for us and, and, and that's at the end of the day one of our primary motives and primary primary objectives is to produce these group one cults with big pedigrees to to keep the, the, the um, operation going and keep keep us in business. Outside of Animo, Vin, is there a particular horse you're really looking forward to, to you know seeing in the upcoming weeks throughout the autumn carnival that you feel can, can make a really big impact on some of the bigger races? Oh look I think we've got Paul Ailey going going very well. Um, he won brilliantly first up this campaign. Karen had him up on the front, and, and he and he sailed in what was a pretty strong race, I think. Um, so again, he's a, he's a cult that we'd love to. He hasn't won a Group One yet. Um, we'd love to tick that box with him. Uh, and he's just he's the, his pattern and his racing style is quite electric. So yeah, he's 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 an exciting horse, and um, obviously you know, the Colettes of the world and Cascadians and things that. Um, uh, they're taking aim at some pretty significant races, so it'd be nice to see them, um, you know, come back again and and, and do it, win those Group Ones. Vin, is Pulele going to the Oakley Plate? That is the plan at the moment, David. Yes. Yeah, six dollars second favourite behind Morabia, two dollars forty. Well, all good. Just before you do go, uh, Blue Diamond representation. Yeah, we're going to be a little thinner this year. Uh, Dormier, who's with Anthony and Sam Friedman, as you know, uh, he won the Blue Diamond um, preview uh, very well and then um, placed in the prelude last Saturday week. Um, so he'll go in as a, as a, as a good chance. Um, and then our probably best next and best chance of running is, is potentially Seven Sisters, and she's on the borderline. Um, so it may only be, will be two at best and certainly one. Good on you, mate. Uh, thanks. Always appreciate your time on Past the Post and all of our shows here and continue good success.
Good man. Thanks, David. Thank you, Ben. There he is, Vin Cox, representing Godolphin. Another big operation uh, to the fore yesterday with Animo. And it's true with Animo, except for the size produce, he's not a, a big margin winner. Yeah, absolutely. I was just about to ask Vin there, oh. too. I see they have... I was just going to chuck one more in, just for the punters. I oh. see they've got the favourite in the Tasmanian Oaks today, believe it or not. A, a Godolphin horse running down in Tassie, Honey Creeper. So I wish I had it now. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Obviously, I'm in trouble for not letting you ask the question. Yeah, well, it's been been well backed anyway. So, Damien Oliver, <laughs> the producer, laughing at that. Ring Vin Cox back and see if he's honey cripple. Do some work for a change. Well, Damien, <laughs> Damien Oliver going down to uh, Tassie to ride for James Cummings in the Godolphin Blue. I mean, that's uh, if that's that's got to be a signal there, doesn't it? Surely. Hopefully, we'll know by the end of the show once he's made that call. I don't think. I don't, oh, he's on the he's on the I'd, phone now. I'd, pretending. I, I don't think Damien Oliver's going down there to enjoy the oysters or the, the seafood. Put it that way. He's... Producer Dale's always worried that we finish on time because he's always <laughs> petrified that the previews start on time. He'll be petrified this morning because the first preview is Ipswich. That's with me, so we will be on time today. Uh, look, look uh, Animo, um, we know Animo, and, and he's very, very good. Halal is racing well. His first up run was good, and he's run well again yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I think the um, the, the place getters, basically, mm. in this race will, will have some bumper battles going forward throughout the autumn and potentially, I guess, even beyond. So um, Halal was terrific, I thought. I mean, it was, I suppose it's an obvious statement, but... Um, Gee whiz, gave Animo a, a real fright. But, and so was Converge in third. Ranch Ham was, was good in fourth. I think what that race showed yesterday, that, that Animo is, is very, very good, but I think uh, connections of second, third and fourth would be hardened by the fact that Animo didn't win by two or three lengths. So they'll be giving themselves a fighting chance in a fortnight's time when they clash again in the guineas. Yeah, for sure. I thought... Um Ranch hand there, just I thought, just really loomed as the winner. I'm convinced that horse, um, you know, has got a good race in him. Oh, he's already won a few good races, but a, a really good race in him at some point. So I reckon one to, one to follow. And Converge looks to be back, doesn't he, after, uh, you know, a real setback there at one point. And um, you know, hopefully they get, go and Adrian get to the bottom of that horse as well. The Rare McGuinness is in a fortnight's time. Animo on tab fixed is down to $2 now, 250 to 2 and Halal... They reacted there after that very good second half against, quote, $15 down to seven. That was the Group 2 Hobartville. Let's go to the Group 2 Silver Slipper, another stepping stone towards the Golden Slipper in a month's time. Here's the replay. Best of Bordeaux won the battle for the lead from Ebha the outside. Queen of the Ball had to take a sit, followed by Ohai. Scythera railing through, then came Boythren from Athletica Spacewalk. Charlatan still last getting to the outside. Best of Bordeaux drifting down to the rails, two lengths clear. Queen of the Balls giving chase in second, then came Ohai Scythera. Charlatan still a long way back with Spacewalk. Best of Bordeaux three lengths clear from Queen of the Ball. Then Ohai, it's Best of Bordeaux. Here's Magic with a big run Best of Bordeaux in front from Magic and Best of Bordeaux does it again. Best of Bordeaux beat Magic. I think Scythera third in front of Queen of the Ball, Ohio and Deep Out Boyfriend. A gap back to Charlatan from Spacewalk and Ebhar was last to finish. He's a schnitzel cult. Uh, we saw him trial off the Sunshine Coast. I didn't think uh, by any stretch of the imagination uh, he'd be in Sydney winning the Canterbury on debut and then... Winning the Group 2 Silver Slipper uh, silver slipper at Rose Hill yesterday, flying this horse. Yeah, serious, serious horse. And I um, I can't believe he actually went out $11. I can understand that, you know, he wasn't favourite or, or close to it. But I, I would have thought after his brilliant win, that you know, the, the previous start, and admittedly maybe a bit flattered by the track on that day, I would have thought he would have been a bit harder in the market. And, um, yeah, really, really impressive. I mean, the question, I guess, is... 
um, you know, 1,200 metres of a golden slipper. And obviously, you know, um, a better class of race as well. But um, Casey Fogden's got a serious, serious horse here, obviously uh, in partnership with Aquas and uh, Jerry Harvey. So uh, she's only been training, I think, for three years or maybe less than three years mm. in her own right, Casey Fogden. So what a horse to have to really... Um, you know, propel yourself, um, you know, to the next level, I guess. We're trying to get hold of Casey, but she's not available. But the right people wrap her. They say she's a very good horsewoman and train, trains her horse as well. It's best of Bordeaux. Uh, it was a good win because it wasn't uh, uh, hand of the lead on a, on, a, on a silver platter. It had to work to get to the front. And that was probably then the reason the last part had started a little tired. But in watching the second horse, this was a very good debut magic. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and a huge firmer um, in the golden slipper market. So, look, uh, I, I, you said best about Bardot, Bordeaux sorry, was a good win. I, I thought it was actually better than that. Um, I thought it was a, a pretty brilliant win again. Yes, got tied late, but had every reason to, given the way um, the race was run. And talking to Casey during the week, I'm not sure if we're going to see this uh, necessarily this campaign, but surprisingly she said to me she thinks this horse... Um, you know, in in all of its work, it's actually you know sort of ridden out the back and ridden with a sit, and, and sort of runs on. It's just the, the you know the the races that it's been in and the way the races have been run, it's it's fired out. Now, obviously, uh, if you can do that, you can have a significant advantage over your rivals. But she's convinced that you know he's not just a one trick pony, mm. and I mean clearly he's not going to be last. But you know, if a barrier or or a race shape or, or whatever you know dictates it, he can be actually be ridden differently. He's not just a speed machine. So look, uh, can he win the Golden Slipper? Uh, you wouldn't say no, but you wouldn't say yes. Yeah, it's done. Well, it's done nothing wrong from Tab's point of view. Their reaction to yesterday's Silver Slipper, Best of Bordeaux, down to eleven in the Golden Slipper from fifteen, and Magic. This was a very good run. Uh, admittedly, tempo was good for it, but really found the line well. It's a two point five was a two point five million purchase, fifteen dollars. It was a hundred and one in the Golden Slipper before the starter said go yesterday. Just going back quickly too to the the Hobartville. Worth pointing out that Tommy Berry was suspended uh, in this race for his ride on Animo. He came across and gave Ranchan a bit of a a short back inside, so he was suspended for six meetings. He'll be back on the 12th of March, which is Guinea's Day. And just uh, going back to Godolphin, is it true that our um, wonderful producer has since been in touch with Vin Cox about this Tasmanian Oaks runner today? What's the latest? Well, he claims he has. Well, you, well, I think he has. I, I think he has. Uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's so what's, a pretty what's, honest gentleman, even though he's a Kiwi. What's the mail? Um, the James just Cummings wins? has actually gone down to, 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 to be there. <laughs> I'm pushing all in. That'll do me. Read into that what <laughs> that you That will. will do me. Well, you've got that and all my tips and tips, but you're going to have a wow of a oh, day. Oh, what a filler. That would be tremendous. Rightio, let's continue. We're looking back at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. Let's go to the Millie Fox. This was for the Phillies and Mears. Coming around the turn, it expat leaves the rails, comes four horses off, and is a comfortable leader at the 350 metres from Bellucci Babe, the Nicky's Fling. Uh, going up the inside, Lelude running home well, and further back to Crone. It's Expat at the 175 in front from Bellucci Bay, who sticks to the task. Expat lifting from Bellucci Bay, clear from Lelude. Expat kept going from Bellucci Bay, but another win for Expat. She goes on to win the Millie Fox, a half length to Bellucci Bay. Running third, Lelude, a gap back to Crone, then bring the ransom, rock o'clock matchmaker, and Nicky's flinger dropped out to finish last. More Blake time for expat. Uh, we hadn't seen her since she won the, the Group 3 Bell of the Turf at uh, Gosford uh, in late December. So 
produced fresh by Mark Newnham yesterday, and that's her go. She loves to roll along in front, make her own luck, dictate the terms, and loves a bit of giving the track. So she had that soft six yesterday, and she led throughout. Great record. I love horses with great strike rates, and she's got one eight from 13. Yeah, and well, back to $2.60 favourite. I'll tell you what, this race was fascinating to me uh, before it even started, just uh, how Crone would go. Uh, clearly on... Yeah, you know, just about every measure. She was the class horse in this race. Uh, started five dollars fifty. Tony Gollan's Group One winner. But Tony said to me in the le- in the days leading up, um, you know, it was a, a last minute decision to run in this race. Crone missed a trial last um, week in Brisbane when the trials were pushed back mm. two days. So he decided to to send her down and run her in this. I just got the feeling uh, going into this, she might have just been one gallop short. So look on face value. She was she was okay, I guess, in this race, but I think we've got to be uh, a bit forgiving. She and she's got far bigger fish to fry than this. She's obviously, uh, you know, in the Coolmore again, and Tony's going to try and get her into the Doncaster. So look, be I think if you're back crone yesterday, be a bit forgiving and a little forgiving as well from a tempo point of view. Ex, the uh, expat controlled it. It was a sprint home thirty four forty one. So I thought under the circumstances, she did quite well, crone in running fourth. Let's go to our final replay. Rosehill Gardens yesterday. This is the Parramatta Cup. Tommy Berry had a good day. It was a riding treble. This was the middle pin of the treble on another well-back runner called Mighty Beal. Inside the 300 and on top moved up on the outside of too much to bear. Mighty Bill is quickly on the scene now and Mighty Bill pounced and shot clear inside the 175 from too much to bear. No compromise darting up the inside. Great house is staying on but Mighty Bill different class in the Parramatta Cup. That was very cosy. No compromise second. Photo third. Too much to bear and great house followed by Parry Sound. Then came Shiraz from Ontana. Back on the inside Sweet Thomas. First in line Nickajack Cave, Mustaji didn't come on, nor did Mabaras, and a true marble well back, and last to finish was Skyward. Mighty Bill was quite good in the summer, had a little break. He ran at Ramwick last Saturday, and there was that race that, two weeks ago, there was race Frosty Rocks, one who controlled it up front. His run was good, Mighty Bill, but he went to the 1900 yesterday, and he he dominated them. Yeah, and it was good to see um, just a little battling trainer by the name of Chris Waller get a go here. He, Saddled up six, ran six. His horses, uh, you know, six horses all ran in the top eight and he ran the top four. So good to see the little battling trainer uh, getting a go along. Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Their website is archerparkracing.com.au. More about Archer Park after the break when we look back at the Sunshine Coast yesterday. This is Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. I mentioned Stewie Kendrick won four races at the, the Sunshine Coast on Friday night. Street Fighter was one of them, a Piero three-year-old. And Archer Park have got shares available in a Piero filly called Pepe's Girl. Stewie trains her. She's two years of age, in training at the moment, heading towards a two-year-old trial. You can buy shares in Pepe's Girl right now. You can find out more about her on that website, archerparkracing.com.au. I won't tell you because you don't want to buy any horses. Well, you know Goolagong Rose has been... Sold, retired, gone. Sold. <laughs> Sold. How much for? I can't tell you. Brood, secrets, secrets, group. Broodmares can be very valuable uh, <laughs> acquisitions. Put it this way, we didn't sell her for what we, what we paid for her. Oh, but anyway. Well, it's a bad luck story. Though. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, Sunshine Coast yesterday. <laughs> this was a BRC meeting. Let's go to race seven. This was a, a good three-year-old race. The winner is Blackjack Boom. Here's the replay.
in the straight now. 300 left to run and Zuma California trying to hold off Funny Money. Buying time getting up inside the pair. Bad Education driving through. Then came Ubiquitous and Blackjack Boom descending right down the outside. Blackjack Boom went bang. Went to Buying Time who fights on. Then Mashani Sniper. Blackjack Boom in front. Too good. Blackjack Boom. Been either Mashani Sniper or Buying Time. Ubiquitous in fourth. Mr. Larrabee running on with Breadwinner. Then the Rattlesnake Funny Money followed by Barista Sister. Zuma California gave nothing in the run home, then bad education, and Princess Bojack last over the line. Well, he's by Spirit of Boom, and that was his fourth win from five starts. He's only suffered defeat once in his very short career. Toby and Trent Edmonds put the polish on him from the training point of view. The man who knows him well from the riding point of view is Robbie Fratt. He's our next guest. Rob, good morning. Morning, David. How are you? I'm well, and I'm sure you are as well, because this is a horse that you've got a very good association with and I'm sure it's important with jockeys if they can stay on a horse particularly a horse of above average ability they really get to know it well oh that's it David and you know you spend spend a bit of time at work with him as well and um you know it's always I always say it's better to get to know a horse um you know you get to know his habits and um what he likes what he doesn't like and um you know you, you kind of get this association um with each other, and I think it does help a lot, you know. Well, you'd actually personally never been beaten on, on this horse, Robbie, but were you sort of a bit concerned pre-race? They set you a bit of a task, didn't they? The widest barrier, top weight, you had a few few obstacles to, to contend with yesterday. Oh, 100%, Ben, yeah. I was, I, uh, look, um, I knew he had the ability. It was just a matter of what kind of run I was going to get um, in the race, you know. I didn't want it kind of to, to have a hard run because of the big weight. I thought, you know what, second up, um, it might might catch him out. But um, at the end of the day, I ended up ended up with a lovely run and um, the speed was perfect, um, just just how I thought it would be. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a horse. When you peel him out, um, he kind of just gives you everything. And I kind of just was a little bit patient with him because of the weight. And um, once I let him loose, oh, he just quickened up nicely, yeah. He gets a bit lost when he gets in front on his own. He's that type of horse, you know. He just uh, notices a lot of things, pricks his ears a bit. Um, but nice horse going forward, for sure. I'm not just saying it because you're with us now, but it was the ride of the day. He's had four wins, all at the Sunshine Coast, all of the 1,000 metres. Uh, from your point of view, and, you know, you're the man who knows this horse well, distance-wise, where will he get to? I reckon... Being a spirit of boom, I think 1,200 would be good for him, mm. um, David, because he's a type of horse. He just flies the gates, you know. Um, he does come back to you, but he does fly the gates. And I think a 1,200 at the moment um, would be good for him, at, you know, um, right at this point. Um, I wouldn't step him over further. Maybe later on when he's had more experience on his belt. Yes, you know, and um, I'm sure he'll let us know when he's ready for the 1,400, when he gets to settle a bit better and... Um, and I'm sure Toby and Trent will take it from there. Uh, Rob, uh, you obviously rode Mimi Lagarde. Uh, he's a real eye-catcher in the in the Magic Millions three-year-old guineas. Uh, she's going down to Sydney. Are, are you going to go down there and ride her? Well, <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm begging, because, <laughs> um, you know, these kind of fillies, and um, they don't come, come, come around all the time. And um, what impressed me so much was her last trial that she did. I know it wasn't much in the, in, in the trial, but... Um, it's just the way she quickened up, and uh, she's a special little filly. This, and yeah, I, I'd love to go down and um, you know take those horses on. And I think she's up to the task for sure. Definitely, Ben. She's a she's a really nice filly. This, I've 
always had a high opinion of her. Um, and um, her, her, her true test will be when she goes down there and takes on all those good uh, three-year-old fillies down there. T- take us through that Guineas race again. You had a rotten alley. We knew that. She, just from a visual point of view, she loomed really strongly at about the, the, the 200, a bit below it, in, in the Guineas. King of Sparta was the one she was chasing. He was the ultimate winner. Did her run just end? It, it ended a little bit, I think, only because I had to make that long kind of run on her a little bit. Um, had, had a softer gait. Um, I'm probably two pairs closer, um, David, and, um, you know, maybe, you know, obviously closer to the King of Spider, and um, um, I think it would have... I don't say I would have beaten him. It's hard to tell, but um, I think she would have really made it interesting. Um, but in saying that, she's done a... It was a great effort from the gate, and, you know, you, you got up... You don't have many options from those barriers, um, especially for that kind of comes from behind. You could probably try to put a midfield, but then you're going to end up four deep um, going to that corner because um, they don't give much room and they don't give much um, space in those kind of races. Um, they're high-pressure races, and um, so the option was to go back and just try and get it in as, as close to the fence as I could. Um, and I just said, well, you know what, if I can get just a nice run up the straight, I said, she'll, she'll finish off strong, and she did. Um, she kind of just went straight past all the other horses, but obviously King, King of Spider got the break on me, and um, I think it'll be a different story next time. Rob, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. You've you've ridden yeah. all around the world. You're vastly experienced. Um, Brisbane at the moment and Queensland's got a few talented young apprentices coming through. I guess I'm mainly referring to Jaden Lloyd, Kyle Wilson, Taylor. There's a few others. Um, is there is there one kid that you think that's coming up through the ranks that's that's really impressed you that we can really you know, keep an eye on for the future that, that is made of the right stuff and you think can can sort of make the grade as a, as a senior going forward and become, a, a yeah, I guess, a new riding star for Queensland? Well, look, um, as, as far as those two apprentices are concerned, I think um, they will be the future here. Um, I think it's a determination and their drive um, and there's a great competition between them. So that makes them actually... Um, better riders because each one outdo the other one and there's nothing better than competition but um, um, yeah it's, it's kind of those two at the moment that I've seen um, that can ride I haven't really taken much notice of all the others but um, at the moment it's them and look we I think we have got some good young riders I mean Taylor Marshall um, you know there's quite a few of them you know around um, and and it's good for racing here. Um, I just hope that these two youngsters, you know, keep their head on their shoulders. And um, um, because I told them many, many times, I said, if you want to be at the top, there's a lot you've got to sacrifice. And I just ran through the things you've got to sacrifice. <laughs> just about everything. <laughs> just about a lot of things. I said, that's where you've got to concentrate on. Yeah, and we, Robbie, Robbie, we shouldn't forget you either. I mean, what about you yesterday? I spotted you. In fact, I took a picture of you. And with one yeah. of your old mates wearing a wearing a cap that said Fradster, Robbie Frad. So you got your own fan club. How good's that? It's great. I gave that cap to Max because you know Max won it once. So Max has been my mate. Uh, uh, I think it's from the day I've landed here. You know my first race meeting. Um, he's been there for me, and um, I can't thank him enough. Really. Um, and, and and like like yesterday, for example, um, I kind of had to stay up there the night before because we raced there the, the next day and. 
I had a checkout of 11 o'clock and I was only in the seventh. So I saw for races and sat there with Max and, you know, it, it, it's, it's great to have someone like that to, to support you. And, um, and I gave the cap to Max and said, look, Max, I've got one, you've got one. I said, it's probably the only two caps that we have ever going to do. That's the fan club. I'm keen to get one. Give it away. That's the fan club. But he wears it every meeting, and I'm so proud of him for doing that. We've uh, we've run out of time, but I've got one thing to tell you before you go. Ben asked you a question. Will you be writing Mimi Lagarde? Someone just texted me, and it said three words in the text. Yes, he will. It comes from a trainer... At the a co-trainer at the Gold Coast. I think you know who it is, so that's all signed <laughs> and sealed. You're right to go. Oh, gee, I'll tell you what. Well, thank you for that because now I'm, now I'm very excited and I'm looking forward to it because I can be honest with you, I'm ready to take those fillies on down there. Um, I think she's special as filly, yeah, definitely. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, David. Thanks, thanks, Ben. Robbie Fred joining us this morning. He's got one right, I think, at Ipswich later today. Uh, Blackjack Boom, nice horse this one. I think it's going to the Jewel uh, in, in, in March, the three-year-old um, feature race. And um, hasn't always had you know, the best of runs. Things haven't really gone well for it, but its class has pulled it through. And I agree with Rob. 1,200 metres you know, with a good alley, fingers crossed, just jumps and has, gets a nice run. Very good horse, this horse. Yeah, it's a nice time of year for these cutest. Uh, two-year-olds and three-year-olds will be up and running with that rich Jewel race day. Uh, I forget the date. It was four weeks from... Uh, yesterday. So, look, that was a good race yesterday. Um, fairly disappointed with Zuma California. I, I thought he was um, maybe just had an off day, but I, I thought he was he was better than that. Maybe he is. Maybe he just had one of those days. I thought there was a... <laughs> you'll love this. You know how uh, <laughs> the boss of this radio station, David Salmon, a great mate of mine for the last 20 or 30 years. I did think there was a sneaky run in this race. Mr Larrabee admittedly ran 10th of 12, but was never going to be suited over a 1,000 metres. The great David Salmon one of the co-owners with Peter Ty, if you don't mind. Uh, just had absolutely no luck in the straight. Went inside the rattlesnake when should have gone outside. I think probably should have run fourth or fifth. Was never going to win. But stepping up to 1,200, maybe even 1,400, I think Mr Larrabee um, might be one to follow. Going to need luck. Always gets back. Um, but definitely has ability. That's secured another contract for yeah. past the post. Yeah, <laughs> we're back. We're Beauty, back, baby. Man. Good on you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, my name's Billy, not silly. <laughs> Let's go to race five from yesterday. Tamalay was on a seven-day backup and well back to win. Deep Seavers had a butte run in front. Comes four or five away from the rail. Tamalay cuts the corner. Third group think now. Then came at the head of the others, Texas Storm. Slow hands under pressure. Star of Michelin and Jenny haven't gone too far. Tamalay hands and heels by Thompson. He used the inside. He got to Deep Seaver. Group think trying to go with Tamalay and then Texas Storm and Jenny running on. But Tamalay at the 100 metres has now gone to a clear lead. Group think sticks on well, but Tamalay in front. He's got him again. Tamalay, group think, Texas Storm. Third, then Deep Seaver, followed by Slow Hands, then came Star of Michelin, and Jenny last over the line in 137.76. The shortest way home is via the rail, and that's what Tamalay did. Ben Thompson riding for Les Kelly, and he is putting it all together now and uh, had a perfect run there, a box seat run, and rather than come deeper, he did cut the corner and um, uh, justified the good backing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what the second place horse group think, trained by Michelle Payne. Uh, knocked his head in the barriers and <clears throat> someone was trying to tell me 
post-race. I'm not quite sure if this is 100% right, but he was basically concussed <laughs> the horse, and he was he ran anyway. So if that's right, a mighty effort from that horse to, to only you know, run second and only be beaten in length. And I will say this, great to see Michelle Payne on course uh, yesterday, Dave. Excellent. She was there. I think it's the first time certainly she's been sighted on, on uh, course. And in fact, a very ve- rare visit to her new Queensland stables. She couldn't come up uh, a lot of the time last year because of COVID and what have you. So great to see her uh, on track and uh, wish her every success in Queensland. Group think did run well. Jimmy Byrne rode. Jim rode a treble yesterday and Jaden Lloyd rode a treble. So between them, the two jockeys rode six of the nine winners. But one of the other, yes, you want to say uh, something? Yeah, I should mention two. We just when we were talking about jockeys riding winners. Noel Callow rode four winners on the Gold Coast. And also at Toowoomba last night, um, the girls, female jockeys, rode six of the seven winners, including Angela Jones, three in a row. I know Tony Gollan's a big rap on Angela Jones. Is there anything you don't miss? Uh, well, eyes everywhere. That's why I paid the huge dollars. Exactly. Well, some dollars, anyway. Speaking of uh, the huge dollars, huge dollars were won by some punters on this horse in race four, Red Wave. This was well-backed $11 into seven at one stage, around at eight fifty. He's gone hard, Pentito, and Canadian Dancers on the scene to challenge. Pentito now under full throttle as now on the outside, Canadian Dancer quickly went by him and raced to a clear lead. Military Gambler next, then Hatchet running on ahead of Red Wave. Down below the 200 metres, though, Canadian Dancer in front. Military Gambler hasn't given the ghost up as yet, and Red Wave coming at the pair. The leader was Canadian Dancer. They've got him. Red Wave's got them both. Red Wave went on and beat Military Gambler. Then over the line, Canadian Dancer just peeking at the mile. Then came uh, Carneros, followed by Hatchet. Pentito didn't get the trip either. Did go a bit quickly. Then came Mashani Untamed. Well back was Gambu, Winner Violet, Naughty Harry and Claudius. Last time in 136 and 55. Well, it's one I did say in the, the tab update before the race yesterday. This is one that can't win Red Wave. Yeah. I didn't uh, like it at all. I didn't like it either. But looking back through its form, uh, the stable had obviously had <clears throat> some sort of opinion of it because it's sort of never been placed to go through its grades. It had run in sort of multiple city races. I think it was only a, a class one horse, really. Um, so obviously the stable had some sort of uh, opinion of it. So um, good luck to them. So you're backing Honey Creeper in the Oaks in Tassie. You'll be following my tips at Ipswich closely. And then you can bet on Shah Tin to your heart's delight. Two group ones there, the Queen Silver Jubilee Cup. That's race three, four o'clock Queensland time. And the City Hong Kong Gold Cup. OS8 at 6.35. I don't know if I'll be watching them or not. I'll try to. <laughs> I can't wait. You know what I am looking forward to? What? Uh, the press room tomorrow. I want to have a good chat to you uh, about a story I broke last week about Ben Curry mm. returning to racing. I've got a list uh, with topics for you as long as my arms, so be ready for plenty of discussion tomorrow. You've got pretty short arms. I have, and short pockets too. <laughs> Good talk, on you, mate. Talk tomorrow. Ben Dorries joining us, and he will be with me on Press Room tomorrow morning. We'll have all of our regular panellists, and I'm going to have a chat too to uh, Chris Barsby and also Luke Gatehouse from the Brisbane Greyhound Racing Club. Plenty coming up there. Thanks for your company this morning. Hope you have a good day. Back a few winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.